Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. And Dawn on My Talk 1071, everything entertainment. And oh, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We are back from vacay. Yay. And we're so excited that you tuned in. So stay dry, be safe on the roads, get yes. ready to shovel because there's a lot of snow headed our way. I know. Winter storm warning I saw on the signs. I yep. really haven't been paying attention. And then I'm like, well, oh, pay attention because okay. it's about to get nasty. Nasty. That is nasty. Okay, uh, I know that you work out a lot, Bradley, That's and I nasty. do. I do as well, but not maybe as much as you do. But going to the gym <laughs> in the new year—we're not keeping track, honey. I know. I get my twelve in so that it's paid for by our insurance. Good. <laughs> so, um, so what is going on um, with this place that doesn't want new clients for the new year? Yeah. So there is a place, literally, you guys. Every t- this time of year, everybody's like, "Oh God, I have to get in shape." People do it. My mom was doing it over the holidays. We found her a new gym that she could go to, got her all set up. Um, it's a good thing it's not Equinox, though, uh, because Equinox doesn't want your business, you <laughs> New Year's resolutioners. What? what? Yeah, so I saw this over at TMZ, and I thought, this can't be real. And then I, I read their statement. It goes a little something like this. Equinox, of course, we don't, we don't have them here. I'm trying to see quickly where they're at. I know New York, but... Um, I'm not sure where else Equinox is. Anyway, they put out this statement. We don't speak January. (laughs) We're not accepting new gym memberships today. It's not you. It's January. January is a fantasy delivered to your door in a pastel colored box. It talks about change. It needs a new outfit before it can begin. Shortcutting, giving up just a few weeks later. You are not a New Year's resolution. Your life doesn't start at the beginning of the year. And that's not what being a part of Equinox is about. We go beyond blah, blah, blah. We are not open for you today. However, at Equinox, we look forward to welcoming you to our community tomorrow. So they just tried to make this dumb statement that they don't want New Year's resolutioners on the 1st of January. That's crazy. What do you think? Good idea, bad idea. So it is a luxury fitness club. I see. I mean, it's like it's a bougie boutique experience. They're they're in Boston. It looks like all over Canada, Chicago, Connecticut, Florida, London. So ooh, if you have like a. A black card for them, you're going to be able to go all over the place. Black card is um, lingo for Planet Fitness. If you have a black card, it's $20 instead of 10 and you can go to any Oh, club. anyone. <laughs> which is still, which means I play, pay $3 uh, through our insurance if I get my 12 in. So, um, I mean, is it, is it. Is this a good idea or a bad idea? Do you want New Year's resolutioners or no? I think it's always dangerous to exclude people from your company as a business model. Like you want it to be for everybody. And if you, it just is very bougie 
And it seems like it will alienate people. Well, and I think that's exactly what they want to do. They want to keep people out. Yes. This is like their way of saying, like, we're better than everyone else. We don't care about you just for New Year's. We want to make sure that you know we're not like the, all the other people who show up, which I think is like the worst. I, I will just, you know, I, I will just say, spoiler alert, I think, you know, for them, fine, do whatever you want. But this is like the worst the worst way to communicate with people you're allegedly supposedly trying to help right or like take care of the health of like just by making them feel bad for wanting to do something better for themselves i don't care what day of the year it is like if that works for them like there are a certain amount of people who need a kick in the pants and that works for them january 1st they want to sign up like you really want to discourage those people okay that seems like a really by the way, those people are also rich, you know, because this is a luxury club. So it's not a lower end, <laughs> you know, as far as the target audience that they're looking for. That includes people who have money that can afford the club. Yeah. Okay. So there's so, everybody. It just doesn't. It's it's all across. Everybody is included in this. I want to make a fresh start. They're trying to reinvent January. Yeah. And it's not going to the only reason why I know about them now is because of this statement. Yeah, I mean, it was great advertising, right, for them or a great marketing ploy to get their name out there. Like and then that also reaffirms their bougie status like, oh, well, I didn't want to go to you anyway. Like, sure. okay, fine. That helps you cement your brand. But ultimately, I just think if your brand is being a jerk to people, I don't know. It seems a little a little. um... I know that people, to be honest, do get annoyed. People meaning I in the past have gotten annoyed in January by tons of people in the gym. I've also been the person who started in January who's like sheepishly going in there going, oh, oh, I'm going to annoy people. So you've been that person before. Let me ask you, because I've been that person too, obviously. Like, not so much now. I go to the firm. We have new clients kind of all the time, but you know, when there used to be these big waves of people in January, a lot of us would be like, oh, God, here we go. It's all January, <laughs> know. you know, New Year's so resolution. Like we're but like guess exclusive. What? All those people are new, fresh, exciting, motivated people, not crusty, dusty, fusty, musties who are, you know, like set in their ways and don't want to explore anything new. Like, I think people benefit myself included. Like, I include myself in that. Sure. I can be crusty. I can be real crusty. Sure. And I think that if you just acknowledge that um, you're surrounded by people, like you just said, that have a new, like they're excited to be, you know, going 150 miles an hour on the treadmill. <laughs> you just hope that they're not going to fall off. You yeah. Know? And and you hope that they wipe uh, and clean up after themselves. Or Mike? don't just eat Ritz crackers in the locker room and sit there in front of your <laughs> locker. Don't do, that who you does that? Oh, it happens. Don't eat Ritz crackers in the locker room. <laughs> Ew. What were That's you going to say, Mike? I was just going to say, I would be willing to bet anything this is not a promotion they're going to do next year. The reason they did it this year is because you may happen to notice that New Year's Day was a Sunday. Who's going to oh, go make that determination and signing oh. for a gym on a Sunday? Where, by the way, next year it's on a Monday, and I guarantee you there's oh. no way they're not going to do this promotion doing. on a Monday. I see what you're so saying. It's a great marketing ploy, and again, it's just because I feel that Sunday, it's happened to be when January 1st was. I can't imagine they're getting many members on a Sunday. Don, what's the weirdest thing you ever saw somebody do? <laughs> well, I mean, there is a lot crackers? of talking to themselves. 
like a lot of people talk and motivate themselves what? at oh, the gym. I'm okay. at, like they do full, like they're fully having, and you're like, are they you on the phone? Or, this, but they're just like, yeah, and they're getting into it and they fully sing out loud with their headphones. Like you just kind of go, oh, this is, and I just, I just love it so much. Like, I, I just think this is, it's just for me, I love to observe weird behavior. <laughs> oh, this is why you absolutely 100% want these New Year's resolutioners in, because the people watching alone. It's great. Will provide the gym regulars an opportunity to, um, I, I was like, we went to, you know, my, my mom down in Florida, she wanted a new gym. So Jamie and I were like, let's go check out some places. So we went to the Y, we mm-hmm. went to this other place that she ended up joining and, um, I will tell you, I did half the effort that I normally would do in a workout <laughs> yeah. because I was purely people watching Yeah, the entire true. time. The people walking around in socks. Oh, yeah. Who walks around the gym in socks? Oh, well, I used to at my old gym. Why? That, because Don't do that. You're supposed it's to dangerous. squat, not in your shoes, in that, socks. That you saw that on YouTube. That's not a thing. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Get some lifting shoes. It's fine. Oh, God. Because it's a dangerous thing. Like, uh, you're going to slip slide, whack your head upside a, a barbell. These aren't free weights. What do you mean? This is a squat bar that's attached, which I hate, but yeah. The Smith machine. I don't like it. Yeah. I want it to No, be... I, my point was simply just that the people watching was, there was, an old, there was an old guy yeah. who was doing the tricep pull down thing, yeah. you know, trying to do his triceps. <laughs> yes. And he, he was at effort five. You're, okay. Out of a hundred. Uh huh. Out of a hundred. Well, I'm just saying it was like five percent effort. Okay. And there was a a younger lady who was within his eyesight, and he was like awkwardly staring at her the whole time as she was doing her yeah, curls. That sucks. And I was just like, dude, like I I will tell you, I was so distracted by the people watching. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 fun, but I'm sure that people are looking at me going, is she really just going to do that level on that art Oh, trainer? no. Most people are just so focused on, like, are people looking at me doing something? No, I, like, yeah. I don't think people were... People aren't judging. I, I hope not. And if they are, I know what heart rate I need to get to to burn fat. Exactly. You're doing your own Come workout. On, please. All right. Well, that was fun. Yeah, the Equinox, not in my plan, I guess. So, um, basically... As far as I'm concerned, when it comes to Equinox, this was just a, as Mike pointed out, this was just a publicity stunt. They just wanted to make themselves look, you know, bougie and exclusive, which in this day and age, do you really need that? I, I mean, I don't, but. I don't either. No, no. Hey, um, you learned a really fascinating story over the holidays because you binged a podcast and the story dealt with jazz, but like all sorts of other stuff, right? Yes, I learned about this from you, and I listened to it on my way down to Missouri. Do you want to tell us about that podcast when I we come sure back? Will. All right, we'll do that right here on My Talk 1071. Hey, My Talkers. Okay, we all love it when things are easy, you know, like really easy, as in just got to get one call and it's done easy. That's exactly why I trust the heating pros at Hero. One easy call, and I got my home's furnace tuned up properly so I didn't have to have any worries about being nice and warm and cozy this winter. In fact, that still holds true because we've not had any issues with our... In fact, I was supposed to turn the heater down before we left for vacation. I forgot to do that, so it heated up our home the entire time we were gone. 
Uh, but thanks to Hero, we didn't have to worry about our furnace having issues. You can call my friends at Hero today, and they're going to make it easy for you to get their world-class heating tune-up. It's just $69. You can easily get it scheduled today. Just head to their website, callhero.com. And trust me, you're going to love the service. You're going to love the attention to detail. You're going to love the security and peace of mind knowing that your home and your family are going to be warm, safe, and secure all winter long. Callhero.com today. Don't forget to tell them Bradley Sanger. Donna Valentine here. Let me know when you free. Cause I've been trying to hit it out. Donna, week, my talk one Everything Entertainment and everything. It's the new year. We're so happy to be back with you. Hi. Hi. One of the things I did on my trip down uh back home to Missouri was listen to a podcast that Bradley suggested. And he knows that I'm interested just like he is in uh everything uh World War II. So you suggested a podcast called 1942. It's called One Year 1942, and it's a part of a series that focuses on four or five different years in our nation's history. Yeah, so they like each season is a distinct year, so they literally cover an entire year in one season, and I think 1942 was what, like six episodes or something? Yes, yes. It was so fascinating, and I wanted to talk so a little glad bit that about you, it. I, I'm so glad that you got the chance to listen to it. I had forgotten... Like I was like I don't know. Did you listen? Because you heard me talk about yeah, it. I couldn't remember. I write but down that you say, Brad. I'm glad that you got the chance. And I think anybody who loves history, much less World War II, would love it. What did you What did you think? I absolutely loved it. I learned so many things that you know. Most of the time, we're focused on what was happening in Europe, which of course that's you know where the bulk of the that's where the action happened. So naturally, we know a lot about that. But this um, Slate podcast really went into more things like um, inflation in the United States and how it just skyrocketed. Um, one of the episodes is called "The Year Everyone Got Married." Because in 1942, a lot of uh, soldiers were being deployed and they felt like they had to get married real quick to have something to come back to. Uh, the Info Wars, this was radio propaganda using uh, that as a weapon against the United States, how there were all these broadcasts. Uh, there were about internment camps that came to Alaska and then the Black Japanese Axis, which was super interesting. That's the last episode. But the one that really struck me as so entertaining um, was, you know, out of all of these things that were so interesting, one of them is that recording artists were forced to stop recording music. Yeah, there was a a musician strike. A musician strike. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. They didn't call it technically a strike, right? Because they couldn't or something. But... Right, because if they did, then the unions could get together and um, try to fight this. So they said, it's not a strike. We're just choosing not to because we are getting together. Um, they could have fought it in a different way, is what I'm saying. So they were very careful about it. Um, and. In this whole thing, born out of these strikes, people were just hungry for new music, you know, because artists weren't allowed. It was really designed to protect live music artists. Like, for instance, when you go to a movie theater to watch a movie, there was an orchestra there, you know, and those musicians with out silent film and moving into talkies, you know, they were losing jobs. They were also just in a lot of other areas, just with recordings, you know, radio stations were playing music and not just information and shows. So out of that, people were just desperate to hear new music. Well, yeah, because musical recordings all of a sudden took away the need to have a live band perform the music. Like you could just roll a record versus having to play, you know, um, having an orchestra play or having a four member band play. And so this really was. And the thing I love about this podcast is it it makes you feel like, oh, I can totally relate to this story that seems kind of unusual and random from 1942. The fact that you're like, oh. Of course, it sounds just like or at least very similar to, you know, what musicians are dealing with today when it comes to you know, the ubiquity of streaming and like um, how artists try to make money now. And at the end of the day, it's always, you know, like the the production companies or the people that control like how the music is made that have a, a leg up. And in this case, I mean, for the audience, if, if you don't, you know, if you haven't listened to this podcast, Don is talking about 1942. I mean, it literally was like a year and a half without or I don't remember exactly how long, but it was a long time where you could not produce new music. So there was like there was just this huge shortage, kind of like imagine all of the music we play today that are new releases, just not being able to play that for a year right. and relying on old music movies can't use recorded music yeah so they had to go back and find old music that they could play so just think about how we would try to like get through our lives today without a year's worth of life or uh, uh, of recorded music and there wasn't as much as there is out there today now it's just endless you could never get to the end of all the music but back then it was limited so um so basically out of this thing that was just so terrible was the birth of jazz music. Yeah. You know, you had people in, like Dizzy Gillespie, Charlie Parker, uh, a lot of the musicians in Manhattan at the time, uh, Thelonious Monk. They started performing in clubs and people were so excited. And it was the birth of something called bebop, which is a, the beginning of jazz music. Yeah. And it was basically like... Jam bands, you know, they were doing all of these things and they were inventing music in the moment, Yeah, which is an exciting thing about jazz. You know, if you love jazz, you know that you don't know where they're going to go. It's just improving. And so these experts at this, they were discovering new things within themselves 
And we don't even know if jazz music would exist today without the beginning of this. Well, it was like a huge coincidence where you had this like underground music movement mm-hmm. taking place at a time when there was just this lack of produced, you know, sort of written music um, because they just couldn't do it. Right. Right. And here you have this other art form that suddenly enters into this vacuum where people are just like, do to do. We can't really because if you think about it, you can't really like write down jazz right no like you need people you need jazz musicians to make jazz and to experiment you know and in this i mean this would go these clubs were so packed people couldn't get into them it was just like you know people would stand outside and listen and then when they were finally recorded other musicians tried to emulate what they were doing and they just couldn't i mean they would literally slow down the record to try to emulate what dizzy gillespie did or what thelonious monk did because it was mind-blowing at the time so such an exciting time in music was born whenever everything was really silent Unless you were in a club in Manhattan or Kansas City or Chicago. In 1942, nonetheless. Very good podcast. One year, 1942. Thanks, Dawn. Yeah. Um, you can listen to that wherever you get your podcasts. When we come back, one listener gets an answer to their family history mystery. We're doing family history mysteries when we return right here on My Talk 1071. Channel 5 Eyewitness News forecast. It is brought to you by Rebath Minneapolis. Mention my talk to get $1,500 off a complete bath. Worse than it was last time we talked. It's nasty. My talk 1071, everything entertainment, everything nasty. That's uh, nasty. The adventures are nasty. Bradley, you sound so much like that clip that sometimes I don't know if it's you. That's nasty. That's Bradley. That's nasty. (laughs) That's the clip. That's the clip. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we're excited to be with you here in the new year. Thank you for joining us. Uh, And, gosh, Harry and Meghan, I mean... What's going on with them? Because I watched the... um, No. I watched... No. No? No. That's not... No. We're doing a family history. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. My laptop is kind of frizzing It's okay. You got one segment ahead of yourself. Oh, my gosh. I'm just... I'm from the future, guys. Okay. Family history mystery. Should we go go back in time here? Let's go back in time. Uh, There we go. That was our... um, now my screen has moved. Thank you so much. And you just said it before we went to commercials. So. I did. I okay. did. In fact, so uh, we don't have an open for this yet. So let's just do, let's sing family, family history, mystery. mystery. It's a mystery about your family <laughs> in the past because it's history. Okay. So each week, one listener gets an answer to their family history mystery question. And that's exactly what we're going to do for a lucky listener by the name of Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Michelle. Thanks for emailing. Here's her email. <clears throat> Um, okay. Sorry if this is a duplicate genealogy request. I don't, I didn't see the other one. So if it is, I'm sorry. I didn't see it. I don't know anything about my maternal great grandfather, Paul Custis Dinkins, a cowboy from Oklahoma. Oh. He died of the flu in 1923. Oh. And my great grandmother, his wife, Euphemia, died two years later. My what gr- a great name. Sorry. I know. And her name, I'll tell you about her in a minute, but. Her nickname was Fanny or Fammy. I don't know how they pronounce it, but F-A-M-I-E. Cool. Anyway, uh, that must have been her nickname. My grandma Ruby, she says, and eight siblings were orphans. So curious to know where he came from. Thanks. 
Well, Michelle, first of all, thanks for your email. If you guys would like to send us uh, your family history mystery, just send me an email on our show page. I don't think, and once uh, B. Arthur gets back, we'll make sure this is fixed. I still don't think that our show emails work. That's weird because we haven't asked. Yeah. Well, we did ask no, I'm before the facetious. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> many times, many times. I thought you were being legit, and I was like, I "Girl, know. we asked." No, no, no. We, asked. we asked. We asked, and you know what? They're trying. It's fine, you guys. We just are over here not knowing what you think. Just click on Bradley's name, you but can you can you can um, email us individually. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, send me your email. Anyway, back to Michelle's request. So, I found her answer. And uh, I thought I would share that with you guys today. Let's hear it. So her question, do you remember her actual question? Her actual question was, where did my grandpa come from? Yeah. Texas. Texas. Yeah. So um, I was able to find out that her, oops, now I lost the information. Oh, there it is. Okay. Um, I was able to find out that Paul Custis Dinkins a cowboy from Oklahoma, she says. I did not find out that he was a cowboy. I did see farmer, but, you know, that's probably a name he just applied to himself. Uh, I, I did find some information about him. I found him in a census. And the only details I was able to find about where he came from was that he was from Texas. Okay. Texas. You want to know how I found that information? Yes, I do, Bradley. I how did you find it? Uh, I was able to go back and look. So for those of you who haven't done family history work, it's pretty easy if you have access to a resource like Ancestry.com, for example. Which um, they should be sponsoring the show. They really should. Please and thank you. Um, but there are many other ones. Familyhistory.org. Uh, um, gosh. Find my past. Well, twenty three and me. I don't know if they do a like a records uh, okay. thing, but that's like a genial or a okay. DNA uh, site. But gotcha. certainly, the, those are all helpful things. In this case, for Michelle, I did what I normally do for listeners when they have questions about their family history. And again, I'm not a certified genealogist. Please don't like take anything I'm saying as like like legit genealogical work. That's a process and it requires actual certification. I'm just like digging in records and um, able to generally help point people in the right direction so that they can continue the work themselves. Now for Paul, I simply looked up the name on uh, Ancestry's database of Paul Custis Dinkins, which you can imagine thankfully is not the most uh, most generic name, right? right? It's not John Smith. Exactly. Because if you send me a name like John Smith, (laughs) I'm going to probably tell you that I can't help you. Oh, gosh. Because those are hard, right? <laughs> right. Um, anyway, so Paul Custis Dinkins, there were a few pieces of information that popped up right away. And one of them was a census. And it was the census from 1910. And in the 1910 census, there is a column for people to indicate where they were born. And so it was actually pretty easy. I was also able to confirm that because one of their children uh, got married, and on the marriage certificate, that was one of the other, or the marriage license, that was one of the other resources I was able to find on Ancestry for Paul Custis Dinkins. In the marriage license for the kids that got married, it lists the parents and where they were born. And again, I see that Paul C. Dinkins, Paul Custis Dinkins, was uh, born in Texas. And his mother... 
or excuse me, his wife, a.k.a. the mother of the person getting married, a.k.a. Michelle's great, did I say two times great-grandmother or great-grandmother? Yeah, great-grandmother. She was from North Dakota. I wonder how they met, you know, know. someone from Texas. It just opens up a whole bunch of imagination it's like, where did someone from Texas, and in this day and age, we meet in college. That's usually where we meet, right? Yeah. And back in the day, whenever people from 1910 from Texas probably weren't going to college, I just want to assume that a farmer it probably isn't going to college. How did they meet a lady from South Dakota? Oh, absolutely. You have to wonder. And I will say, I did the other thing that I do, because it's not just Ancestry. Ancestry is a great place to start. Mm -hmm. And you can also, Ancestry, and this helped for you, Dawn, like when I was looking for stuff for your family. There are people who've done a lot of work already. So like people, like a lot of people don't realize that whether it's someone in their own family or someone who's a descendant of someone in their family, as you climb up the family tree, may have already done a tremendous amount of work. Um, that will attach itself to your family tree. And you always want to make sure that they know what they're doing and you want to check their work. And again, that's why you want to trust professional genealogists to to help you with your your important questions um, because they have, you know, they, they go to school, they get certification, they provide all the evidence that they need um, in order to prove the things that they're claiming. Um, but you can still generally find out some pretty good basic information right on ancestry but one of the other places i'll go is a place called newspapers.com oh and that's like a resource for simple you can search um old newspapers and i unfortunately was not able to find anything for paul dinkins because sometimes to your question about how they met you'll find you know marriage statements or uh, marriage notices or you know obituaries or sometimes if your ancestor was involved in a crime crime you'll find criminal reports. they've been criming yeah so um, so I didn't find out tons of information about uh, Michelle's ancestor, but I certainly was able to tell her that, and I'll send her all of this information. Um, Michelle, if you're listening, I'll send all this information to you. To, so if you want to continue the search on your own, you can see where Paul Custis Dinkins uh, came from and uh, what he, the, the censuses are really cool because they tell you kind of like what job those people had, mm. if they owned property. Um, you know, where they lived previously. There's tons of information in census documents. What's so interesting also with um, uh, being a paranormal investigator, we have, thank goodness, on our team, uh, a library science major. She is a librarian. And I I asked her to help me figure out some things. And back in the day, in the phone books, you know, just that are in the library from a long time ago, uh, they would list the person's profession and where they worked. Sure. You know, it was like, oh, he was, you know, he worked, uh, you know, at a grain factory on this street. And it's just kind of like, gosh, I didn't know. Or they owned a funeral home. And you're like, well, that's interesting, you know. So, uh, yeah, a lot of information being put out there back in the day. Yeah, no, people, it's, it's, and I will tell you, newspapers were very much uh, similar. That's why old newspapers, especially if you have family in a smaller town, it's harder sometimes if you have like a pretty common named uh, ancestor who lived in a big city. Mm. It's harder maybe to traipse through newspapers, but I have many family members from small towns throughout Wisconsin that I can just go to their, their, their small town newspapers and you will get like, 
you know, Bob and Joe or Bob and Joanne uh, went to town to visit uh, Francine for dinner last night, and Francine served pot roast. It's like Facebook from Absolutely. the 1900s. Yes, those little yeah. papers. I was just recently looking up something for a family, uh, paranormal research, trying to find out uh, where the nearest schoolhouse was in their town. And I'm just going back through this county's papers, and you're like, oh my gosh, it's just precious. They're talking about so and so came to visit, you know, Eileen. So and so. Oh sure. And yeah. they came from here, and they had a potluck on Saturday. But it, it, it's very helpful for family history because you'll sometimes the most important thing is in newspapers you'll find names connecting names, and when you're trying to establish relationships with people, yeah, like is that my ancestor? When you can find you know newspaper accounts connecting names, then you generally know you're in the right direction. And those census records, again, the, in this case, helped Michelle find that. Her great grandfather uh, was from Texas. Will tell you things like if that you know he was a farmer, what kind of farmer was he? If um, you know, where all of the children were, they had I think at the time in 1910 two, four, five children or four kids, and they'll tell you where each of those kids was born. So you can learn you know sort of what your family's journey was throughout a period of time. And sometimes things <clears throat> overlap, like with my family. Apparently, my grandfather had another wife at the same time we think it's possible because the children's ages are around it's like wait a minute who's this lady oh yeah i will tell you (laughs) you're gonna find family secrets sometimes that's why you gotta you 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 do have to be careful when you start researching things that the people in your family a want to know those things and b that you want to know those things because if you're not prepared to learn some truths i've learned some things that i didn't know anything about um, you know, family, uh, like deaths in the family that nobody knew about or births in the mm, family oh, that yeah. nobody knew about. You got to be real careful. Yes, you do. All right. Well, Michelle, I hope that answers your question. Um, if you have other questions, you guys, you can simply send me an email. I'll do this every, what is today? Tuesday? Yeah, it's yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday at one thirty. Family History Mystery. And when we come back from History Mysteries Now Dawn, we get to talk about Prince Harry. I've been waiting. His tell-all is just around the corner, and we're already getting a taste of what's likely to hear, or what we're likely going to hear in it. We're going to hear a little bit from Prince Harry himself when we come back right here on My Talk 107.1. Hey, my talkers, Bradley here for my good friends at Little Blind Spot and Hunter Douglas. When's the last time you took a close look at your window treatments? If you've had yours for a while, now is the time to inspect them for wear and tear because Little Blind Spot and Hunter Douglas have an exclusive offer just for my talkers. Right now, purchase qualifying Hunter Douglas window treatments and mention my talk to have your operating system upgraded to light rise. With Hunter Douglas Light Rise, your days of fussing with cords will be long gone. Enjoy the simplicity and ease of the Light Rise system, which lets you operate your window treatment by simply pushing up or pulling down with your hand. There are no lift cords for a clean, uncluttered look that is safe for both children and pets. Not to mention, they look amazing. Explore how Hunter Douglas window treatments can transform the light in your home. Visit littleblindspot.com or visit their amazing showroom in downtown Hopkins. Call today and mention my talk to take advantage of this amazing and exclusive offer. It spans the globe. 
Bradley and Dawn, My Talk 1071, Everything Entertainment. Oh my gosh, it's Taylor Swift right there with Anti Hero. Is it about her? Is it about someone else? Who knows? But you know what I care about is Harry and Meghan. So much so that I wanted to jump the gun and talk about it last segment. You did. Yeah, but now we get to hear, Bradley, you finished the documentary. I did. Well, I did, but um, I'm most excited about this book that's about to come out. (gasps) So here's the thing. His book Spare is due to hit shelves digitally and otherwise, because I'm getting it on Audible. More on Mm. that in a minute. Uh, Next, I think Monday or Tuesday. Anyway, there's a 60 Minutes interview that was teased today or yesterday, and I want to listen to this tease for the interview. The interview itself will be 60 Minutes next week. Isn't 60 Minutes Sunday, right? 60 Minutes is Sunday. Yeah. So it'll be this coming Sunday that it airs. And it's Prince Harry talking to Anderson Cooper about some of the stuff in the book. In this particular clip, it really gets to the whole thing that we addressed a little, or we addressed, we heard addressed a little bit in Harry and Meghan, the documentary on Netflix. Let's have a listen criticisms that you've received is that, well, okay, fine, you want to move to California, you want to step back from the institutional role, why be so public? You say you tried to do this privately. And every single time I've tried to do it privately, there have been briefings and leakings and planting of stories against me and my wife. You know, the family motto is never complain, never explain, but it's just a motto, and it doesn't really hold... There's a lot of complaining and a lot of explaining. And private being done in through leaks. Through leaks they will feed or have a conversation with the correspondent. And that correspondent will literally be spoon-fed information and write the story. And at the bottom of it, they will say that they've reached out to Buckingham Palace for comment. Mm. But the whole story is Buckingham Palace commenting. So when we're being told for the last six years, we can't put a statement out to protect you, but you do it for other members of the family, there becomes a point when silence is betrayal. I can't wait for this book. I know. It's going to be great because that was one of the big revelations for me when I watched the documentary was that all of these press secretaries have a job. And that is, uh, well, they they are the office of Harry and Meghan is not also the office of William and Kate. It used to be together, but now it's split. So there's a person whose job is to work for their boss, who happens to be William or Kate or the Queen or just the monarchy in general. And they are like, they're the enemy. If we see Meghan everywhere and she's overshadowing the Queen, or maybe we want you to, hey, look over here, type of a thing, whenever Prince Andrew is being bad, then we go to this story or we plant some other story it's so insidious and and it's just i had no idea and we're hearing it right from harry yeah i i will tell you and you said this at the beginning of the segment that you know i finished the harry and megan documentary there's six parts it's on netflix if you haven't watched it and you have the least bit of interest i would highly recommend it uh, because it does give you their perspective now there are times throughout where i'm like you guys this is clearly you putting the best shine on a particular version of events. Sure. But it's their version of events, which we've not heard thus far. So I'm totally willing and open to hear what that is. It doesn't mean I won't question or have thoughts about it, right? Like, I don't think everything they said is the only way that things can be interpreted. But from, you know, from the vitriol that they've received online and just in the world writ large, and, her in and clearly, yeah, exactly, which, you know, 
including but not limited to the racism, the sexism, the uh, xenophobia, like all of those things are absolutely 100 percent legitimate. But it doesn't mean that you don't still have questions about their choices or uh, opinions about the way they chose to go about things, which makes it that much more fascinating, which is why I found myself listening or watching that documentary thinking like, wow, this is why am I so fascinated by these two when you know, there's a lot of other things in the world going on right now. <laughs> right. There's a lot of other stories which deserve my attention. But I am utterly fascinated because it's such, I think, in part, a unique perspective and one that we've not seen from conversations about ro- the royal family up to this point. That is so true. And we thought all this time, you know, that we were just getting rumors whenever it was coming, literally. From inside Buckingham Palace. Oh, yeah. And that, that's the other thing is like, I always say this about celebrities and pop culture. Like, you know how people just have opinions about certain people? And by that, I mean celebrities. Like, oh, pick a celeb, like a Kardashian. Like, mm, maybe that's not the best thing. Oh, pick a celebrity that you're not a fan of, Dawn. Is uh, there, I'm putting you on the spot Jennifer right now. Lawrence. Okay. <laughs> Now, I would say whenever there's a celebrity that you have opinions about, the next important question, this is myself talking to me or me talking to myself. Mm -hmm. Why do I feel that way about that person? And is it in part because of the way they're portrayed by the media? Because that deserves to be looked at. Because a lot of people are like, oh, I just don't like Megan or oh, I just don't like Harry or oh. And I'm like, why don't you like them? Like, you don't know them. But there are strong opinions that people have, yeah. especially about her. And I think to your point, you just mentioned that there were stories coming from the inside. It's because there was a coordinated, calculated effort and campaign to portray them in a certain way because they challenged the system and the status quo. And so I think that there was an incentive for the media to work hand in glove. And we know that they do because of the the system in the United Kingdom and the way they treat the media, uh, the royal family. It's and the an media, agreement. Right. The it's Rota actually system. a blackmail agreement. But yeah, yeah. essentially. Right. Um, and and so you, you understand like, oh, maybe the reason that I'm so sour on Harry and Meghan, perhaps, uh, is because my like perception has been so inundated with negative headlines that have been completely and utterly fabricated or at least published in a way that their story hasn't made it to air until very recently. Right. Right. You only hear the bad stuff and then you go into a situation hearing all of this bad stuff and then seeing the action of them moving. And then you go, ah, It's her. She's so into herself. She's full of herself. She took him away from the monarchy. She's a brat. She's an attention. You know, all of this stuff that I hear people say, I actually had a deeply strong discussion with my mother about all of this. And I was like, Mom, no, that's not the way it is. And I don't know if any of it took, but... Well, I don't I, think it did, but it doesn't matter. I always like to, and I'm curious, you know, how that conversation went down with your mom, because I'm always curious when people say things negatively about certain celebrities and they don't do what we do for a living, which is like eat, breathe and sleep celebrities, yeah. right? Like where we're constantly paying attention. I'm always curious, like, well, why do you feel that way? Yeah. You know, like the Amber Heard Johnny Depp thing. Like why, why guy, people on the street would just 
start going off about Amber Heard. And by that, I mean, just like, you know, people in my life that are not connected to this radio show. And I'm always curious where that comes from. Did you get a sense of why your mom felt the way she did? Um, I guess because, I mean, a lot of it was just, you know, the attention that they, you know, just them fleeing. I think the whole thing of them leaving, mm-hmm. <clears throat> a lot of it was uh, very muddled during that time about, you know, and I think it just got all lumped in with how she feels about going against family. Yeah, and, oh, you sure. Know, it's other things. It's yeah. like things that we just have you, well, in our minds about what we think about family or, you know. <laughs> Which is what you're supposed to do. I mean, I wouldn't begrudge your mom that at all. It's just, you know, you have this new perspective because you've been paying attention from your work, mm-hmm. right? Like to maybe see and read and hear things that she doesn't get to see and, and hear or at least doesn't seek out, right? Like your mom's not deep in the weeds on no way on the royal no. family. She's just relating those people's actions to her own life. And to her, it would seem like, you know, how ungrateful you are to That's leave right. all that behind and then to be so mean to your family right and then just like hey you don't want attention but to look at all the attention that you've gotten so it seemed like i think to her that they actually wanted attention not sure was that before or after she fed the crows <laughs> that was before the crows go watch uh <laughs> dawn's mom feeding the crows on her insties <laughs> dawn at dark hey when we come back britney's selling her home but you guys it's not the home that she's living in what what i don't know but we're gonna find out when we come back what's going on